section eighty two of the world war this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world story volume fifteen the world war edited by horatio w dresser section eighty two the y m c a at the front by francis b sayer with an introduction by john r mott general secretary of the national war work council of the y m c a in the trenches which reach from flanders to the swiss border and back of these trenches in the reserve and base camps in the training stations in the villages and towns where the allied troops are billeted in the posts of debarkation and at naval bases a multitude of men wearing the red triangle of the young men's christian association are serving the allied fighting forces in multifarious ways the effectiveness and range of this service far exceed the achievements of the association workers in earlier wars and have won the fullest approval and heartiest admiration of the officers enlisted men and government leaders of the various nations concerned great britain including her self-governing dominions and colonies has more than five hundred association centres among the troops in france who fight under the union jack in dugout cellars stables ruined houses and in regions less devastated by shell-fire in tents and huts these constructive activities that bring comfort utilize leisure time and conserve health character and faith are being conducted during the earlier years of the war through ways of friendly cooperation america aided in the maintenance of similar centers for the french army now that the united states is an active participant in the vast tragic drama many hundreds of association leaders have gone overseas to carry on this ministry for american soldiers and sailors on january one nineteen eighteen about eight hundred such workers had reached france including more than one hundred and fifty women who serve in the canteens and so keep before our fighting forces a reminder of american ideals of womanhood other american red triangle workers are making possible a great increase in the number of similar centres for french troops and for those of italy for in both these armies the commanders-in-chief have asked for a maximum of cooperation from the american y m c a the expense of all phases of this work in france and italy as carried on by american workers will soon amount to about two million dollars a month the story of the red triangle achievements on the western front only a part of the far larger story of association activities in this war has nowhere been more finely or more dramatically told than in this article by mr francis b sayer who for months was an exceedingly effective member of the headquarters 
group of american association workers in france john r mott never in all history has there been such an assemblage of the manhood of the world as that met on the plains of france to-day in one of the great english base camps are gathered countless thousands of men in khaki from every county of england hordes of dark-skinned east indians in picturesque turbans and native uniforms of khaki men with tanned faces from the wind-swept plains of far-away australia scotch highlanders in their khaki kilts and grey tam o shanters new zealanders in their broad-brimmed felt hats canadians west indians south africans men from every corner of the far-flung british empire gallant belgians frenchmen in their blue uniforms swarthy arabs from northern africa in their red fezes chinese coolies from the far east german prisoners in their faded grey-green men from every reach and quarter of the world there has been nothing like it since the days of the old crusades since the time of peter the hermit there has been never such an opportunity to minister to the congregation of the world in a vast tented city covering the french plain for miles this motley throng dwells for two or three weeks receiving the last word of instruction in bombing in the use of gassed masks on where and how most effectively to thrust the bayonet home it is easy to imagine the thoughts of these men who are most of them thousands of miles from home in a strange land and stripped of all the comforts of life and who are preparing themselves to enter the most horrible experiences that this world can offer little wonder that they are thinking as they have never thought before and wondering amid the tragedy and the ruin all around what after all in life and death is worth while and fundamental was there ever such an opportunity for a creative healing work for the bodies and minds and souls of men into such a field the y m c a has been privileged to enter in the centre of each group of tents is erected a huge wooden structure known as a hut marked at each end with a bright red triangle the hut usually contains a canteen room a large lecture hall and a number of smaller rooms for classes and group meetings in this building and on the athletic field close by centres the camp life of the troops the canteen room a large lounging place fitted up with board benches and tables decorated with gay bunting or bright pictures of home life or possibly with wall paintings done by some soldier decorator is usually thronged with troops at every hour of the day when soldiers can be found off duty for it is generally the only place in camp where soldiers can gather for recreational or social purposes at one end by the canteen counter lined up to get their hot coffee their buns crackers sweet chocolate sandwiches or the like are crowds of soldiers others are sitting at the tables writing letters home on the stationery furnished them still others are at the other end of the room gathered around the piano or victrola playing the tunes they used to play at home many are reading the home newspapers and magazines which are given out at the counter or selecting books from the library or matching their wits in friendly games of checkers outside on the athletic field during such afternoons as they are not on duty crowds of soldiers are delighting in games of baseball handball or volleyball or watching a lively boxing or wrestling match or taking part in intercompany field contests 
the silent psychological influence of the few y m c a secretaries upon these masses of troops is a striking and interesting phenomenon because of their presence there seems to prevail all unconsciously a finer spirit an atmosphere of good fellowship of clean sportsmanship of manliness at its best that is no small factor in making up the tone and morale of the camp in another part of the hut is a large lecture-room with a stage at one end here are given in the evenings educational lectures soldier minstrel shows musical entertainments cinema shows patriot addresses and religious talks and here too are generally held the sunday religious services and meetings scarcely an evening goes by that does not see these halls packed to the doors i have seen them so crowded on the occasion of some stirring religious talk that after the benches were all filled and the standing-room taken soldiers kept crowding in through the windows to sit on the floor of the platform and others remained standing outside to listen to the speaker through the windows surging in and out of the thirty huts in one of these base camps there passed daily actually sixty thousand men of every race and creed every night between ten and fifteen thousand men are listening to educational lectures and entertainments on two nights every week a like number are crowding in to hear religious talks closer to the firing line all large buildings become impossible not only would they be seen by the enemy aeroplanes and shelled to bits but it would be unsafe from a military viewpoint to mass so many troops where they could be seen and shelled together the huts becoming impossible and large meetings being unsafe the y m c a must devise smaller units and in company with the soldiers whom it seeks to serve go underground if the conditions under which it must work in the great base camps are unusual they are infinitely more so in the desolate towns under enemy shell-fire we are walking through the streets of one of these ruined cities some two or three miles behind the front-line trenches only a short time ago it was a throb with life and activity and production now it is silent and desolate and its streets save for a few stray soldiers are empty it is literally a city of the dead every few moments we hear the whine of a german shell being hurled into what is left of the shattered city followed by a loud explosion and the sound of falling debris and we know that another house has gone the streets are lined with tattered walls and shattered masonry here a great corner is torn out of a building leaving the roof hanging there the whole side of a house is completely gone as we pass we can see into the deserted rooms some of them are mere masses of debris others remain just as they were left that wild night when the occupants fled in their terror before the oncoming huns in some rooms we can see the pictures still hanging on the walls and books lying on the tables in others lace curtains are hanging by broken window frames and bureau drawers are half drawn out as though to allow the hasty snatching of a few belongings in one room is a little cradle with the coverlet still thrown across tragedy everywhere and desolation we walk down to the central square gaunt ruins are all that is left of what were once magnificent old public buildings a machine-gun emplacement commands the square and barbed-wire entanglements are in evidence for use in case the germans should attack we walk past the cathedral it is now a ruin with tremendous walls and naked arches standing out stark against the sky what was once its nave now a huge pile of fallen masonry 
we pass on and turn a corner on the wall of what was formerly a french home of the well-to-do class we see painted a large red triangle as we reach the door several y m c a secretaries welcome us and take us inside here they have lived through all the furious shelling of the preceding months serving hot coffee and caring for the needs of thousands of soldiers and strangely enough this house the ground-floor rooms of which have been crowded with troops night after night is the only one in the vicinity which has not been partially wrecked by german shells the upper stories scarred with shrapnel and flying shell fragments are not in use the secretaries are sleeping underground in what was once a wine cellar with the floor above them sandbagged and bomb-proofed they tell us to our surprise that the seemingly deserted city is filled with troops we learn that under the city is a vast network of labyrinthine cellars and connecting passages and in these underground mazes with the rats and vermin the soldiers are living no wonder that that little friendly y m c a building is thronged with troops night after night we hear that in some way i know not how the secretaries managed to secure last week fifteen thousand fresh eggs which they supplied to the troops going up to the trenches they are giving out ninety gallons of hot coffee every night we ask what chance for rest they have and are told that a few days before one of them spent his time unloading boxes of supplies from five in the afternoon until three the next morning and turned in at last only to be called out a few moments later by the arrival of fresh troops whom he spent the rest of the morning serving as we watch them at their work we begin to understand that a cup of hot coffee and a bit of cheery atmosphere may sometimes preach the most eloquent of sermons still nearer the firing line often only a few hundred yards back of the front line trenches are the little y m c a dugouts for serving the troops as they enter and leave the trenches i think of a typical dugout near the crest of a certain famous ridge which we came to one evening about sunset we were crossing a battlefield but freshly taken from the enemy it was like a nightmare of desolation the trees had been mostly shot away only a few dead trunks and twisted limbs remained picking our way past great shell craters many of them twenty feet in diameter and twelve feet deep we came finally to what was left of the old english front-line trenches there they still were damaged and broken by shell-fire but plainly visible where poor human beings had lived for months we start across into what was no man's land there is not a yard of earth here that has not received a direct hit the ground is as tossed and broken as the surface of a storm-beaten ocean the stench of the dead is still in the air the horror is indescribable we pass the remains of a body a can of beef and a clip of shells is still beside it the ground ploughed and churned by titanic forces is a terrible mass of twisted barbed wire entanglements steel shell fragments timbers and bits of concrete emplacements pieces of clothing shrapnel broken rifles unexploded bombs rifle shells human blood and bones all shattered and ghastly and horrible we are in front of the english batteries and can hear the english projectiles go whining and hurtling over our heads the german shells come screaming back seeking out the english batteries and throwing high into the air great columns of earth and smoke farther and farther we make our way up toward the present front line the atmosphere grows so unhealthy with flying shrapnel and bursting shells that we are not sorry to reach the little red triangle sign beside the entrance to a dugout we dive into the dugout feeling our way down the steep steps 
at first we can see nothing then by the dim light of a sputtering candle we can make out the forms of troops and their steel helmets gathered around us over in the rear a secretary is serving out hot coffee the men are just in front the front trenches which are only eight hundred yards away from us they are silent for the most part are talking in low subdued tones the darkness the foulness of the atmosphere the cramped dimensions of this rat-ridden den make indeed a squalid setting for a ministry that is like a pearl without price twice the week before orderlies were killed here while serving the troops a neighbouring dugout only a short time before was smashed to bits with every one in it yet the secretary in charge shows us a map of all the trenches and explains how he is crowding more and more dugouts to the front the y m must follow the troops wherever they go he tells me the thicker the shell fire the greater the need so adaptable to ever-changing conditions is the organization of the y m c a and so varied is its work that it is possible to give only a few random pictures of the y m c a in action throughout the army zones in france i think of the indian huts crowded with east indian troops in their turbans and native uniforms being served with native food brought by the british government all the way from india all caste dropped under the shadow of the y m c a i think of the countless soldiers kneeling in the quiet rooms of the various huts throughout the army zones pouring out their hearts in silent prayer i think of the railway station huts where tired and hungry troops being transported by rail from the base camps up to the front and compelled to wait during long night hours between trains find their only shelter and sleeping accommodations in the y m c a i can see the travel-stained soldiers loaded down with their full kits pouring out of the french railway carriages at two in the morning dumped out on a cheerless station platform at a junction point not far from the front and then catching sight of the y m c a hut all crowding into what seems like the one cheerful spot on the horizon i can see their tired faces lighting up with genuine pleasure at the cheery words of the english ladies at the canteen serving hot coffee and sandwiches all night long to each arriving train-load i can see them as they pass into the dormitory and walk past rows of bunks filled with sleeping soldiers till they find some empty places and there stretch out in their blankets with their knapsacks for pillows to secure a few hours sleep i think of the y m c a emergency work when a great push is on and the wounded soldiers are streaming back from the front literally by the thousands maimed and torn and bleeding the numbers are so vast that the stretcher-bearers can only attend to the prostrate wounded all those who can manage to walk or crawl known as the walking wounded must make their own way as best they can to the first-aid stations by the side of these first-aid stations the y m c a takes his place and all the walking wounded who come in are given hot coffee and made as comfortable as possible while they wait sometimes hours for the overcrowded ambulances to take them to the hospitals in the rear or again i think of the work in the english army for relatives of wounded men in certain cases where soldiers are gravely wounded the surgeons report that the best tonic perhaps the only hope of recovery would be the cheering sight of a loved face from home the word then goes out to the military authorities who usually give the requisite permission whereupon the y m c a undertakes to bring the wife or sweetheart or mother from the channel coast by y m c a transport to the cot side of the wounded man i see the little y m c a hostel by the side of one of the hospital camps where lie thousands of gassed or wounded men in that little hostel are met together relatives from all over england made one by their common grief their hearts torn between hope and gripping fear 
are centred in the great hospital encampment across the road where destiny is busy settling the great issues of life and death here each one is waiting perhaps to help her loved one struggle back to life or else if that cannot be to be with him at the end and finally in the pathetic little room at the corner of the encampment separated by a small glass window from the body laid out before a little altar to bid it last good-bye can one ever describe what the y m c a means to them such is the work as it has developed among the english and canadian armies and as it is fast developing among the american soldiers in france End of section eighty two this recording is in the public domain